0: you're listening to culture camp tune in each week to hear from an amazing lineup of athletes ceos founders and more who have created winning cultures in their organization each will share the secrets to creating a culture in your business that will lead you to thrive are you ready here's your host jason haugen
1: all right, welcome back to another episode of Culture Camp. I got a really fun one with a good buddy of mine, Mr. Kenny Thompson. Thank you for having me, man. Hey, man, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you for so much being on the show. You are the founder, owner, president of Blue Mountain Inc., big real estate development right company,
0: right? Yep. Real estate investment company.
1: What else do you do? I know you're crushing in a bunch of, got a bunch of different things we're going to talk about, but uh, you're just doing all kinds of stuff in real estate, construction, all that.
0: You know, uh, father, three kids. Uh, Most importantly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they're the pride and joy of my life and my amazing wife. So uh, love it. You know, re- business obviously is a top priority, um, but friends and and family are you know, ahead of that. So
1: I love that. Man. We were talking for quite some time off air, and I can tell that you know relationships and who you are and how, and who you do business with um, really matters a lot to you. So but one thing I I want to get into, man, is how would you get into real estate? I know your company got founded pretty much in the in the downturn of 08 and you know what was the, you know, before that,
0: what got you into real estate? Before real estate? Um, yeah, I, I hustled supplements, man, across the Utah Valley. I was selling like protein to uh, pre-workout supplements right when that was coming out. Um, and I love, I love the nutrition industry, health and nutrition. Um, oh, and wow. then. It was uh, similar. I worked at GNC
1: Now I wasn't oh, for doing real? it on a bigger scale like you okay.
0: were. But I was hustling some protein, hustling some stuff back yeah. when I was 18. Nutramart, man, was a company oh, we, yeah. we worked for uh, and and we started their like wholesale kind of distribution section. So okay. I'd uh, deliver and, and do sales all, all outside of uh, the store as well as in the store. But, um, you know, that was a really good period. I learned a lot of different aspects of business and sales. But then I went into, um, <laughs> I've always kind of been around construction um, for my mentor who I'll get into a little bit of that how that drug me into real estate. Um, but then I went into personal training cells. Okay. A little bit of a niche while I was going to college for a brief stint uh, up at Weber. Nice. And then uh, got into real estate, I feel like at a good time where people were, you know, doing a lot of transactions and I went in as an agent um, specifically looking for for deals for this, you know, mentor of mine uh, and would go and seek out land opportunities that he wanted and I go develop relationships with sellers and uh get the deals done. So that's awesome. It. Heck yeah, that's awesome. It's it's funny.
1: We have a very similar I wouldn't say super I mean, it's similar. I mean I, I worked at GNC, was hustling, was a was a big manager for them and was uh was doing doing my thing. Or I guess I, I guess I never was or sort of didn't really have a manager. But I was doing well, you know, we'd got we'd get our stats, um you know, from all the stores, and I was we we did well. Me, which and my, GNC were you at? One in Layton Hills Mall. Okay, down yeah. downstairs. Frequented that one. Absolutely. Yeah. So back in I think it was uh 2012 2013. I worked there. Mm-hmm. Um, loved that. I really had a really good time. And a lot of this like culture stuff, what I talk about, was actually how I got treated. Okay. Um, by you know my regional manager, my my direct manager. I guess she was more. I don't know. I don't know what you would call her. We there's two or three people that worked there, and I guess she would be our store general manager okay. or whatever we called her. And then, you know, there's a little regional guy. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say little because he's over a bunch of stores, but he, they were great. Like I, I still in contact contact with him today. They actually own their own franchises and they're crushing it. I actually want to have him on, on the show because he's, he's a great human being. Um, but how I was treated by the bigger regional guy completely kind of laid the foundation of how I, how I would like to be treated, which, I mean, wow. he treated us so bad that you would almost live in fear of him. And like, you hate, like you're just hated hearing his voice when he'd call you. Like he was so mean, so degrading. I mean, but you know, it actually, there's like class action lawsuits about how I got, you know, asked to be on because of him and the way people were
0: treated. So it was, uh, it was kind of nuts. So that negative experience spawned you seeking out solutions of how to manage better.
1: Yeah. And I didn't really have, you know, for who knew that, because when i got out i got into network marketing and so that wasn't really direct you know employee boss type of thing it was more of like a collaboration type of thing but it definitely the paved the way and laid the foundation for me having actual employees right. and how to treat them and how they view a boss. Right. so, I don't know, it, I don't, this isn't uh, not my story, but it, it did similar, very, very similar. It's, and I went to Weber State. I went to one semester. Did you you probably graduated. I
0: did no, not. No, graduate, no, no, man. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. Sparks and I, uh, I think we went for the same amount of time. Right. Really? Um, Dave. And so, yeah, I was only there for, I think two semesters maybe. Oh yeah. Next. You made it one more. I was there one semester. I might've gone for three. Really? but we left like, I mean, you know, recession hits. Right. And, you know, I had, I was blessed to have good relationships in my life that I could go and learn from, um, and do deals with and not pay to go to school right. in which their, you know, economics were not looking great for those that were graduating. And, you know, I was, I was raised as an entrepreneur mindset. So, uh, very fortunate that way. But yeah, I, I don't know that I expected to necessarily graduate when I went to college but I wanted to take economics and accounting and things like that. I, sales came, people came natural to me. I, I enjoy right. that. I love people. Um, and I had to work hard at the numbers and I, I enjoy that too.
1: That's awesome. It's kind of crazy how like the whole, you know, going to school and trying to learn certain things and it makes it difficult, right? Because mm-hmm. you have to take all these certain classes to learn certain things. And it's like, Hey, I just want to learn a few things. Um, you know, and I, I'm a big, big supporter of education. So you know, I, I don't, I'm not the big believer that everybody has to go to college, but education, Everybody needs to be educated. You mentioned this mentor and you you mentioned that you got basically an education through more experience, which I think is very important because there's so many people who are out there teaching or, you know, starting on theory, which theory is great. Like theory only, but theory in my eyes only goes so far Mm -hmm. and, you know, having someone in your life that can actually teach you and say, Hey, you know, if you do these, certain things this will happen and from my experience of x amount of years this is what real, real life looks like instead of saying hey you know a textbook or this even in real estate like hey this conference i went to says this and it's like okay well what's that history of this person speaking and then right all these things so let's get into you know a little bit about that education that you did get from your mentor when okay. you first kind of dove into this you know this crazy industry of real estate
0: yeah uh it's funny because I look back at it, and you know, he is much of a much more of like a John Wayne kind of guy. Um, I wouldn't say that he was, you know, hand holding or or, or ed- giving advice in a sense. Um, I knew that I was onto something if I brought a deal that he wanted to do. Okay, um, <laughs> so it was more uh, more of a show you, not tell you. Coach is more of like I'll just show you what I'm doing. Hundred percent. Okay. He's a hardworking, um, very smart guy. And there's times I'd bring him a deal and I'd present a structure and he'd say, well, I'd be interested if it was like this and say, okay, well, let's do it like that. And, you know, over, over the time and, you know, doing deals, you learn, you know, what's a fit for you, what's a fit for him and why it makes sense. Um, but you know, I, I, again, I was very, very fortunate to, to go down that road with someone as educated and seasoned as he is. Right. Right. That's awesome, man. How, how how did you find this guy? Like,
1: or, you know, how did you he find him? He was an
0: uh, a neighbor, a close family friend, okay. um, kind of a father figure uh, for me. Wow. Uh, very impactful in my life. Uh, still is today. That's awesome. He's, so he's still around today. Absolutely. Still, I'm sure you still talk to him frequently. Yep. How, you know,
1: we were talking about this off air about like the different, you know, relationships and mentors that kind of start as a fa- father figure yeah. and what that does, you know, let's, let's talk a little bit that, about that. Cause that was super interesting to hear that because you kind of put it in perspective about one of my mentors and uh-huh. I'm like, I don't know. I always call him like my, my brother, his name is Mike, like my brother, Mike, but I think it started out as like a, Hey, this is, this is a five-year relationship. Right. And so it started out as five years ago, being in the rv industry saying hey i'm gonna take this kid under my wing and i'm gonna show him the ropes now it's like a brotherhood we got so yeah i mean let's that's let's talk about that because it's a very unique perspective
0: well i know you're very gifted at having you know you can open doors you have a lot of relationships you know a lot of people right um so i wanted to know if if some of that came about because people didn't feel threatened in the sense that you know you're more of like you know a son type of role Um, right but I, I had similar experiences where I, you know, I'd get close with different, you know, high net worth individuals I did business with and people would say like, well, how do you know this about them? Or, you know, you guys are, you know, going to this, you know, jazz games or whatever and say, you know what? I just ask. Um, right. But I also think, you know, age, um, or, uh, there's things that, uh, I was doing, they were interested in and, and, you know, obviously not a competitor in any way. Right. Um, but yeah, they, they took a liking to, uh, kind of putting, putting me under their wing in a sense. Um, and I've had this conversation with people who know them and they have a very different relationship. And I think, well, maybe, maybe it is that kind of father son role, but, um, very much so friends. Uh, but I think that that's something worth exploring is, you know, younger, younger people being able to go to, you know, very seasoned, educated, um, successful people and, and asking questions and adding value, right? Like I wasn't just going to him and asking questions and going to do deals with other people. I was bringing him deals. So, and I was trying to add value that way as well. For sure. Adding value is so
1: important. And it's, it's, it doesn't even have to be something big and super profound. It can be really anything. And, you know, there's, there's a lot to be said of just, you know, being, having a mentor that you're, you're, you're not using them for something. Um, how do you feel like your work ethic and who you are as a person helped that relationship from, from the beginning? Cause there's a lot of people out there who would love to help younger people or, or be a coach or be a mentor or, you know, find a person that can almost take over their, their business in a sense, or find like do their career, their craft or their, you know, their portfolio or
0: whatever. Like I, I'm hearing this a lot. And like, this is it's very interesting. You yeah. say that, uh, this guy knew me, uh, from when I was younger okay. and, because I'm, I'm sure there was a lot more
1: kids in your neighborhood than just yeah, you. There was. Okay, so there's um, something I want, and that's what I'm trying to get is there's something about you that maybe was that spark or different that he, the other you know, person was like, hey, you know, Kenny is Kenny's got it, and there's something about him.
0: You know what? I, I not to like toot my own horn or anything because I, uh, it's not something I really you know think is is helpful, but I will say something that I, I've thought about this and had these conversations before. Looking back. I would work on projects with him as a kid and are I these just, around
1: the house neighborhood. So yard, thing, different uh, things?
0: he, uh, he's, he's very well off. Okay. Um, and his boys always had fun four wheelers and motorcycles and stuff. Okay. And they were usually not in good condition. So okay. we, we often had to fix them if we wanted to ride them. So we'd be in situations where we wanted to ride these things and we'd have to figure out how to get them to go. And you know, I love riding. So right. uh I would do anything to get this thing to run, right? These different machines. And there were days that he would work on them with us and he would see that like I was not leaving until I could figure out how to start this thing and right. get it to go, right? Oh yeah. Um and there was several other experiences, like you know, Lake Powell, those old jet skis, the stand-up jet skis, yep. they'd flood, you know, those two stroke ones, or you don't you can only get a few cranks out before the battery dies. And I remember sitting there on the shore you know, uh, uh, siphoning gas out of them, um, doing whatever we had to do to get them started again. And every time there'd be four or five of us starting to work on the machine. And by the time we got it running, it would just be me and him. Uh, wow. I, I look back at this. It wasn't something I was like aware of in the moment. I and mean, of course I got to ride the thing. Right. Right. Uh, once it started. So, uh, I do think that there was something to him knowing my stick to itiveness, right. Okay. Like, uh, that I'm going to figure it out one way yeah. or another. So, and that's super rare because, there are so many times, dude, it, dude, I'm like,
1: I'm over here having crazy thoughts in my head of like, we're long lost brothers of like cutting yeah. from the same thing. Because that, that, dude, everything you just explained is me. I mean, if something, literally like if we would come back from a hunting or camping trip or whatever, mm-hmm. I'd be the the first person to jump out and be like, hey, we got to do this and clean and clean and clean and clean. And the last person, I mean, right there with my dad, it was dark, we're, everything's you know wet and all this stuff and we 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 put it away i would never leave my dad's side until it was done yep and you know i love my brothers i love my sister and i i wasn't you know my sister's way older than me she's nine years older than me so we were a little bit more disconnected and i know she had different things going on but like my other brothers i'm gonna say they left early and they know that they did and i'm not gonna that's nothing down on them but even in this day, like you go to events, like people, people that are listening to this that know me are probably annoyed that I'm always the last one to leave an event, right? Because I don't want to feel like I just came and used you for the event. Right. I want to be like, hey, how can I help you put stuff put away? away. Like put you like, yeah. And that sounds silly, but I think it's, I feel disrespectful if I do that. Absolutely. And I think I think thinking about it now, and I have never thought about this until right. we are having this conversation mm-hmm. at this moment. That a lot of how I operate life goes back to those moments with my dad of fixing things and doing things and in staying until the job is done. Or if you, if it's midnight, one o'clock, it's crap. I'm not done. I'm waking up in the morning. I'm getting it done. I want to ask you one thing is is your ability to fix things and, you know, to, to tinker with the automotive stuff. Does that ever help you in, in figuring out problems in life? Constantly.
0: Right. I mean, solution focused, right uh, I, there's always something that I can do to, to fix it or make it better. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I look back at, there's times that, you know, we were on a houseboat and they're always complaining that this, this houseboat was, you know, breaking down all the time and that, and to me, that's just like pal, right? It's work work and vacation. I didn't mind it. So I remember working on this generator. I mean, it's a hundred plus and you're just dying and starts off with five or six of us. And, you know, next thing you know, it's just usually one, two or three of us max. And, you know, you're in there getting your hands dirty, doing whatever it takes. Um, but you, you, you bond in those moments. Um, right. And being creative, you know, not being afraid to throw out ideas. Like there was several times that we didn't know how to fix the, the generator. Right. Um, but we'd try this, we'd try that, we'd eliminate things. And I think working through problems to solve them by eliminating what, is working and what we still need to fix. And often, you know, like in Lake Powell, you don't have all the tools. You don't have all the supplies. Sometimes you got a few tools and some duct tape. You got to figure it out. And that's life, right? I mean, so yeah, I think that there are a lot of those experiences that I've been, you know, super, super blessed to naturally want to, you know, figure things out. And, you know, to my sibling's credit or or his boys, I don't know that uh, I, I would say that in their mind, they weren't like cutting out of work. They weren't like ditching work, but they just knew we didn't need 10 hands in there. We right. didn't need, you know, 10 sets of hands. And so I don't know how useful they felt like they were being. And so they just let us at it. I don't know, right? you know? no,
1: and, and it goes to
0: like, you know, everybody has
1: a different role, right? Yeah. It's like, hey, you know, maybe you and him are gonna take care of this situation right now, but maybe it's, hey, other, you know, kids want to go on a, on a boat. And so maybe you're going to take them on the boat. And then we got people cooking dinner and then we got people setting up, you know, anchoring. I mean, there's a whole thing that goes to it. But I, I think there's a lot of magic that happens with, when, yeah. when, you know, you're there with, with him and spending those extra times. And, hey, you're down in Lake Pot to play. But when something's broken... Like you're taking, you're sacrificing your time and your, your quote unquote play time and your enjoyment to, for the betterment of everybody, especially when a generator is broken and like pow, I mean, that's, that's the worst thing that could ever happen, right? Like you're, you got to figure this out because that's going to run your whole, you know, your whole houseboat. So I think, I think that there is a lot to that. And especially when, when people are trying to either look for someone to, you know, mentor and then someone's being, you know, someone's actively looking for a mentor, Right. You know, there's got to be that kind of that synergy, right? Because it's like, hey, I'm not going to show you like my life's work and all my secrets and everything that's going to happen with that and go to work. And and, and maybe there was a lot to that where he was like, hey, I'm going to go work and see if you can keep up with me. See if yeah. you want to stick in the trenches with me. And and that happens a lot because they you got to weed out the weak, right? Yeah, And I think that, that there's a natural process of attrition when when people find that. Because there's some people that I'm like, Ask me like, how do you find a mentor and whatever? And I'm like, you wouldn't last two seconds with the person that would give you any <laughs> constructive criticism. And and that's hard to say, you know, and maybe I'm not that blunt about it, but I'm like, look at him, like you, you're you not the person that would ever be in a situation like that because you can't take constructive criticism yeah. and they would make you do hard things and you'd be gone, you know? But I think this is a lot of just sticking in and figuring out the problems. And especially like we were talking about a second ago of, of being able to work on things and figure out those issues. I'm a big tinkerer. Yeah. Um, I love fixing stuff. Now my love for it is fading. (laughs) You know, now there's a person that I will take my car to the dealership and just fix it. And like, I don't really have time with it, but I love building stuff. Yeah. And that's why my mind, my brain works now of like with business. But back in the day, dude, I was like five and my dad taught me how to weld. Yeah. Like I I remember I have a picture with with, them in in coveralls. (laughs) I'm all greasy that were my dad's and they're all rolled up. And my mom kind of made me some hand-me-down overalls um do
0: you do any hands-on labor currently
1: um sometimes like you know me yeah. and you know my wife loves gardening so we'll go do landscape the the yard every year and do and things Bizarre, how rewarding it is things. oh yeah i mean i'm not gonna lie she has too much of a green thumb and drives me nuts right. because we'll have like seven thousand tomatoes i feel like we'll have cucumbers growing out everything and i'm like just chill like we do all this work and then we have so much stuff we don't know what to do with it and i feel like we're going to be those people that have a basket out in their front yard that's like free yeah free stuff it probably but will be it is yeah <laughs> probably will but it is rewarding it's like you know where you can say man we did this and it's kind of a bonding moment for me and her and it we just throw on some music and throw on some dirty clothes and go out there and
0: plant the beds and stuff i think that's something that you know doesn't get talked about enough but you get into the, the weeds of running a business and often it's meetings or, you know, staring spreadsheets or different things, emails, whatever. Um, and I'll go and do something with my hands, um, and the sense of accomplish I get. I mean, I may have made a bunch of money that day, you know, sold some properties, whatever it is, and it feels good and it makes sense. It's logical, but then maybe I'll go and I don't know, work on my yard or work on my son's motorcycle or whatever it is, or mine. And it's like, I got this sense of accomplishment. Right. I feel so, it's so rewarding. And right. I've, I've had to learn over the years, I can't just do the business things if I'm not also doing some hands-on things. So I've had to you know, find a way to keep that balance because I did a lot of manual labor for many years. Yeah, same.
1: I mean, I, I built multiple cars. I mean, I could take an engine out of a Subaru WRX back in the day in about 45 <laughs> minutes, change some stuff on it, put Jeez. it back in in about 45 minutes. I mean, we were... We did cheat, and my dad put a lift in our our uh, house, so that was a little cheating. Um, but we never took the engines, or the, even if we had to change a clutch, I could change. I could pull the engine out so fast. I'd rather pull the engine out, and change the clutch, put the engine back in, than I would rather wow. put it on the lift and pull the transmission. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean we were beasts. I mean I that I could replace all four coilovers in a car in less than forty five minutes in a awesome. Subaru. Like I was a. You wanted your suspension changed? I was whipping stuff out, and I knew everything, and I loved it. It was my world. I mean. I mean, every single day, you know, right out of high school, I had this little club of dudes that would get dude. together and you we were, were just, fast and
0: furious. I man. really was, man. I really, <laughs> we, we,
1: we were, we would go cruise Ogden with all the people up and down. The and get good to the old days. It was, it was awesome. And, but it taught me like a lot of like problem solving, you know, I guess principles in my life. Like you have this problem, you have this issue. So how have you applied that in business? to just not stop until you get the job done and yeah. to not stop until you can figure out the problem or the issue and keep going down every path to figure out what the issue is. And then also getting advice and getting someone in there that knows more than you do. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is in my, like I am the first guy and I say all the time on the show, I'm the first guy to walk in a target and go straight to a red polo shirt and ask him where something is right. Or a red shirt. Yeah. Right. Like someone who's just tell me, show me what's going on here. And so with cars and you know, with stuff I would, my, my dad used to race in the nhra like legitimate okay. have a drag car and then nhra back many many years ago i think i heard that yeah. yeah and so he's obviously always tinkering cars and i feel like this dude knows everything about cars and so we've built multiple cars together from the chassis up and that's why he taught me how to weld this because i welded a chassis together of a 59 corvette that had been crashed we cut it all apart built all the beams welded it all back together and then we built it from the chassis Up, we bought fiberglass body, you know, front end for it, and built it all. I mean, everything was custom. Growing up, that felt
0: normal, right? You realize now, though, how rare that is.
1: I don't know of a single person that is teaching their kid right now of how to tinker on an old car or this. I mean, I guess put it in perspective. That would have been in the early '90s, so you know, 30 years old. Like now, you're in like a late now. That was like you know a 60 year old you know 1960s car now if i was gonna get my daughter to work on something that would be like a 1995 1990s, corolla yeah. or something
0: not the, no, not the same no not the same like man
1: i don't think anybody would ever want to work on that like i think about like those early like those 90s suburbans like yeah no one's wanting to work on those so um very different vibe right but mm-hmm. you know no one's like doing anything like that with their kids but that was completely normal for you know when i grew up as Dad was gonna buy some car, and we were gonna fix it up, and then it would be the most epic car and awesome. And then a month later, he would sell it, and I'd be so upset. But he's like, "It's all about the journey, man." Like he he loved fixing things, he loved building them. And then when he would get, you know, in we'd get it done, then he'd be done. And so, but it taught me so much. Taught me so much as a kid. And so, you know, when I would get through those problems, I'd call my, I'd phone a friend to be like, "Hey, Dad, I've been looking at this issue. What's going on?" And he coached me through it. And I think when. And that was normal mm-hmm. and it was never, my dad was never the figured out, figured out, figured out, figured out, just keep pushing. He would be like, hey, keep, it was like it was like a perfect give and take a little bit. It was never of a, you gotta figure it out on your own so much where it made me frustrated and I gave up, but it was not, nah, He he handed everything to me and gave me a silver spoon. It was like, there's so many lessons he would teach me and I would learn from him and he'd show me. He'd be like, hey, you do it this way because of this and I need you to route it this way and this is how electric works he we diagram out a car and electricity it's very and organized That's great. Yeah, he's very very organized. His shop is beautiful. So how are you going to translate that same experience
0: to your kids?
1: You know what? I ask myself that all the time. And I I don't know because I don't know what I'm I'm not tinkering at anything. Like we're building a new house and I'm hoping that I can do stuff, but like whenever we whenever we
0: I I I want to. And like that that's kind of put me on the spot because I really, really want to to put you on the spot. But I, when my kids were younger, I had all these grand ideas of exactly how I was going to show them different, you know, things that were impactful in my life. Right. And as they've been growing up, they have different interests. They have different ways of learning. They have, you know, uh, a desire to want to know all aspects of certain things and no aspects of other things. And so I've had to allow aspects of it to be fluid. I've right. had to realize that, you know, I got to approach my daughter, my oldest, uh, you know, in a certain way versus, you know, my son in a different way and then my youngest in a different way. Yeah,
1: no, it, it's true. And like your version of, of how you think that's going to happen. Like I go back to camping and all that stuff, um, mm-hmm. you know, and hunting and, you know, if I, you know, I, that was our life growing up. I mean, my right. mom and dad did everything they did in business just to be able to take us camping or take us hunting go mm-hmm. like on those four-wheeler trips or whatever,
0: and because they loved it too or because they wanted you to have those experiences
1: or both? I think both. Okay. Um, you know, and so now like I have this grand idea that we're going to take my daughter camping and It'll we're going to do so this fun. and do that and like it'd be so much fun. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, for, I mean, you know, I'm divorced. So I only have her X amount of time. Yeah. And my wife doesn't have a lot of interest in that. Like she's never really been much around guns or hunting or anything mm-hmm. like that. But luckily I do share that passion with her father-in-law and her, her brother. So I take them pheasant hunting all the time yeah, yeah. And, or once a year and we go do our thing but like with my daughter, I'm like, man, I want to go camping. I want to go ride motorcycles. I'm going to do that. Her mom and her, her, you know, other dad or stepdad, whatever you want to call them. Um, they, they will take her out camping. Like, you know, they're going, right. they go out to the national parks all the time. And I'm like super jealous. Cause I'm like, man, yeah, like I, I want to take her out. Like I want to go hiking with her and do that. And so I've had to adjust that, especially being divorced and how mm-hmm. When, when i have her what we do and like when you go through divorce in utah they make you go through classes and if, if you have kids and you don't be the disneyland dad and every time you go to dad's house don't like be as normal as
0: possible but at least and she's I, having those experiences yeah, yeah. right
1: yeah and i and so like now it's it's hard because i want my daughter to not be spoiled and it's tough when you know we're every time we we have or we're trying to plan stuff because you have to pack a whole, you know, week and a half worth of activities into a couple of days and sometimes only into one day and what family she sees because you know all of our family's dying to see her. And so like every Thursday we're going to some family member's house for dinner. And so she doesn't ever really have the normalcy at home of just a kind of a home cooked meal. And right. so it's I don't know, it's I'm navigating this. So if there's anybody out there that can help me with this, it's listening to this. Like it, it's I have a hard time with it because I want to give her
0: an amazing life. Right. But I also don't want her to be a spoiled little brat. That's what, that's the trade-off. That's the trick is like, I have this conversation with my friends a lot and our, our friend or our, uh, my friends, uh, their kids and my kids are good friends, like best of friends. And we want them to experience the fun things that we've worked hard to, you know, have the ability to go and do. Right. Uh, all the while we know that there is no way that they can appreciate it the same way that we do, right. If it's a normal thing to go fly in Dave's helicopter or go do these different things that, you know, we're very, very fortunate to be able to go do. So how do you instill in them all the work that it takes to enjoy those things? And I think it comes down to, you know, making sure that you appreciate the small things. And that's what I'm recently learning. And I know that there's seasoned parents out there that are probably just dying. They're like, oh, you guys are so Freaking funny, right? Hey, we're are learning, so right? We're learning. Yeah. So I I'm I'm learning that if I can, you know, make it a point to validate the small things and really make sure that my kids appreciate the small things, the littlest right. things. Um, then the bigger things are special. Um, but I know that when my oldest was younger you know, different vacations or different things that you know we've been able to have in our lifestyle uh, had have definitely affected her to where that's normal. Right. And uh, now I got to course correct a little bit, right. but um, you now that's the best part about being a parent is is watching them evolve and hopefully doing your best and and they know you are. But yeah, I I love watching my kids work hard. I love right. watching them you know serve other people, do things for other people when they enjoy it too. Right. And you know i'm kind of stubborn my my oldest is a little bit that way as well um and so to watch her be asked to go do certain things versus um her being inclined to go and like you know do the dishes or whatever for my wife um and her joy that she gets from that i've had to learn to like okay let her come up with her own ideas of how she wants to serve if right. i try to suggest then she thinks i'm making her do it she doesn't want to do it so it's always that like you know evolving, uh, fluid, you know, open-minded dad mindset that I think if I can continue to stay aware and present, then, uh, you know, hopefully it'll work out, but knock on wood. Right. Yeah.
1: And it's so hard because you do spend, you know, so much time and so much energy working your, your butt off to get where you're at, to be able to, you know, share those dreams and those aspirations and those visions with your family of going to Lake Powell and having these great vacations and doing that like so, so unique that it's like, how do you make that like, you know, where they understand like how important that is. And it's crazy. Cause thinking about when I grew up, I grew up in a very unique childhood. I mean, lived in a very large home. You know, my mom and dad had a plane flew everywhere. We had a, a tour bus that we would, you know, you know, now that equivalent tour bus would be millions of dollars. I mean, back in the, the 90s. I man, remember it seeing it, very, it, man. Yeah I, mean, it, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 You said that you, you've seen it back in the day. Yeah. And Randolph, Utah. Yeah. And so you, we lived this unique childhood, but there's not one of them. You know, there's four of us kids in the family. Not one of us ever grew up entitled or spoiled or thinking that that was the norm. It's So I don't know what my mom and dad did. They were really hard on us. I mean, they very made it very clear that, hey, we're rich. You're not you're with us. We're not with you. You're not gonna tell us where we want to go eat. We'll go eat where we want to go eat. And if you like what's on the menu, you eat there. If you don't, then you don't eat. Sorry. Like, they're very hard on. And it's like for me, it's like I don't, can't can't imagine yeah, myself man. telling my daughter no. no right? Like, yep. it's like how do you do that? But you know, I I probably should get more advice from my mom and dad about it, how they they parented us because you know there's good and bad things with with everything, obviously. And there's sometimes they, I feel like my mom and dad are a little too extreme. But yeah, none of us grew up very spoiled and we had a crazy childhood and travel all over the world. Like I've stayed at the Grand Wailea more times than, you know, in Maui, you know, more times than I could ever count or care to even know how much I stayed there and private islands and helicopters and friends, jets and big jets and little jets. like everything was just, that was our weekly thing. That was just a normal thing to us, but none of us grew up very entitled or spoiled. We're all pretty good hustlers and entrepreneurs and we, we do our thing, but it's kind of, it's interesting. Cause you know, Where I, do you fall in that? Uh, are you the youngest? Um, so nope, my brother is a minute younger than me. I'm twin. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. You so guys are. we're the, the babies. Yeah. Okay. We are the babies.
0: Right. And do you think that your oldest was raised differently than, than you guys? In a, in a way that my mom and dad were not there more for her than they are were for us. My yes. mom and
1: dad were, were gone a lot more when my sister was, was, uh, really young and yeah. you know, basically her whole life. Like the, you guys talk about that. Yeah. And I think she has a lot of feelings towards that. <laughs> um, you know, if you were to ask my mom and dad, do you regret anything you did as a parent? They would say, absolutely not. We would do it 10 times over again. If yeah. you were to ask my sister what she thought about that. And she gets emotional about it because right. there are some things that she went through as a young woman growing up, especially in high school and different things where she needed her mom and dad there and they weren't there. And so I definitely think there's a a, an extreme to every situation, and there's that happy medium. Um, My mom and dad are on a one set mind. I I joke about this, and I think I don't know if my mom listens to this podcast or not, but I joke about like they, my mom and dad had us, and they came back about 18 years later. Yeah, and that's kind of the truth with my sister. My sister was very young when they started business. She was only, I was technically she wasn't born yet. She was three years old, or it was three years before she was born. When she was born, it was in the, in the height of what they were doing back in the day, and they were gone. And they came back in probably 2008 when my sister was married and gone. Wow! Like, and so my mom and dad average, You know, our first family vacation was was in 2009. That didn't have to do with business, and so I would have been. Um, how old would I have been? I don't know. Like uh you in high school i would have been 16 yeah 17 16 17 years old and or 15 years old and that became the new norm for you yeah and so you know i do know that we traveled a lot but my sister and my there's a brother in between us so my sister's nine years older my brother's four and a half years Mm -hmm. um in between and then there's us and they definitely have a different perspective and it was hard. I mean, my mom and dad wouldn't really tell us when they were going out of town sometimes and you'd get a sticky note that said, here's some money for pizza.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I
1: still remember the phone number to Domino's Pizza back when I was a little kid. hundred percent. It's kind of crazy um, because they didn't want to, I took it really hard when mom and dad left and I acted out a lot and was not a very good kid and had a lot of trauma from that. Um, well, that but, was
0: normal for them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, you know, for them to be gone for weeks or months at a time was normal. I love
0: where this is going because this is a conversation I've had more recently with people and have thought a lot about. So the analogy is, you know, a lot of times people see like the businesses we've created and they want to get to that. Right. Well, I think sometimes I have to simplify it in that aspect that if you were to become a doctor, how much schooling do you have to go to? A lot. Forever. Yeah. My buddy graduated when he was 40. Okay. Put so perspective a long time. <laughs> yeah. He's putting in his dues. Yeah. And then when he becomes a doctor, then he can start having these similar experiences. Right. So right. by the time he's 40, whatever, he may have kids that have had a similar experience to like your sister and brother. Right. Right. Um, well in all aspects, business in my mind has had similar, right. You got to put in your dues to then get the momentum, right. You got to have right. the sacrifices. And so just like my parents, your parents, you know, the older kids grew up while the parents were putting in the dues, and now they get to benefit from all that momentum um, yeah the the kids that were born along the way have had very different experiences uh, because maybe it's you know like my younger brother, he kind of was raised with my parents have had some momentum, right right um, and it's so interesting to me because looking back at the time as a parent uh, that's most precious with a kid is when they're really little they don't even always remember all that. Right. Right. And I look at my parents and the sacrifices they made to have the lifestyle they have now. And, you know, we just got back from Mexico. They took our entire family, my nephews, uh, you know, nieces, everybody. Wow. That's um, awesome. Epic yeah, it's awesome. trip. It's awesome. It's great. And, you know, as far as my nephews and nieces and everyone's concerned, like, you know, that's just this great life. They must've been great parents. And I agree. They were great parents. Um, but there was a time where they had to go out and like build this, you know, right? And that sacrifice of putting in your dues, um, as an entrepreneur, I think is not talked about nearly enough as it would be and you know, understood in the sense of just saying, like, oh, he's becoming a doctor, okay, yeah, it's a grind for X amount of time, and then they get their momentum, and people just seem to kind of understand that, right? Because I
1: think, do you, do you think it because you see the light at the end of the tunnel, like, there is a there's almost like a a bona fide like step one through whatever to become a doctor is what how the society, what the society says, like, to, oh, like you know, yeah, you graduate and then yeah. that. Then yeah. it's like
0: when you're in an entrepreneurial grind, it's like, this is ever gonna end. Exactly. And so then I think people are left with questioning, you know, before they've reached that that state of momentum, uh, am I really like, is this a good thing? I've right. missed out on all these years of my kids at different moments. Um, and then so sacrifices you have to put in, in order to get that life of momentum. Well, I think that this should be talked about more and that I there's agree. a balance somewhere, right? You know, what sacrifices, what are the priorities in your family that you don't want to miss all the while you may miss certain things, you know? Yeah. I grew up, my parents, they were, they were working a lot. Um, they did whatever it took, you know, and there were ups and downs and, uh, it obviously paid off for them now. And right. I'm, I'm grateful that they showed me by example working hard. There were times, there were times I'd wake up, my stepdad was already gone for work. I, you know, I'd go to school, whatever, come home, go to bed, and then he's getting home. Wow. And so he would actually come home, you know, sleep for a few hours or whatever, and then leave again. And I never saw him like throughout the week, there were times that, you know, that's the way it was. And so I'm grateful. I saw that. Um, I saw the benefit of working that hard. I was just going to ask you, do you think that it's helped
1: help, did, did it help you did it did it make you appreciate him and the grind that he's going through later in life? Like maybe in the moment it was like, man, I'm bummed and this and that and I might have you know, whatever. But you know, later in life did you, you know, realize like, okay, like he was it was cool to see him grinding because like I asked this so a lot grateful. because some people are like don't want that. And I'm like, I think there's like like mentally it's good for kids to see their parents grinding and working and working towards a dream than it is just being in a rat race, right. Like doing kind of nothing or even nothing. Like, you know, it's cause then kids are just like, Oh, you just do nothing. Or, yeah, you know, if I, it's,
0: if it's the grind, you are like, okay, then I'm just expected to grind. That's just what you have to do. It was beautiful. Um, granted as a kid, I don't have the same perspective as I do today, but understanding that you want something, you got to work for it. Right. Um, and I know that there are, you know, people that, go do Bitcoin or different things, you know, crypto and NFTs, and, you know, they make it big really quickly and easily. Um, I don't think that's the norm. Um, it might become the norm in the future, whatever the world economics, you know, going to become, but I love the idea that, Hey, there is sacrifice to get the payout that you're looking for. And knowing what that dream is being aligned with, you know, your spouse, um, and those people that you're setting out to accomplish that dream I think helps uh, and knowing the sacrifices that come. I mean, I remember when I got married, I told my wife, I said, Hey, look, I'm likely going to miss certain, you know, Saturday soccer games or whatever, because I'm going to build this thing so that before my kids get too old, I'm around. Right. And I'm there for the long haul because I think a lot of times we make short term decisions. Like uh, I know parents, you know, divorced parents uh, where they'll try to play friend instead of parent, you know, right. one of them. and, When they get out of the house, they're 19, 20 for the next 40 years or however long the parents are going to live, they can be the parent that they needed to be and have a great relationship with that kid. Um, Or they can try to be their friend and, you know, maybe not be the best. I'm not saying you shouldn't be your kid's friend. I'm just saying, you know, often I think our kids have plenty of friends. They need a parent. Right. Right. So sure. it's making those short-term painful decisions for that long-term gain to have a good relationship with your kid when they get old enough to understand it.
1: Right. How, so now that you're, as your daughter's a little older, yeah. What? how is her reactions now when when you are around more, when things are going, I mean, you guys are doing really well. So how is her reaction now? She loves it. Like, can you look at her and be like, okay, like that was like, I sacrificed and like, look and your wife, like be on the same page of like, we, I, I I sacrificed to live this life that we're living now. and we're all loving on each other, high five and saying like everything's worth it. Or is there like a lot of resentment build up? Like,
0: no, I, I, I'm very fortunate that, you know, I, I think I kind of started with a lot of momentum and, and had my head down, you know, and missed out on friend trips. Um, you know, different, different, you know, fun vacations that when I was single, you know, I put in the work cause I wanted to be there. Uh, um, right. but that, you know, those are life lessons. You know, I, I moved out when I was 17 and you know, decided to grow up fast. Uh, but I think that there's, there's aspects that I've had to learn is just the flow. So, um, you know, whether in, in people's mind, you know, you, you make it or you put in the dues. And so you now get to reap the reward. I think it actually comes back to being open because there's still weekends. I do, there's weekends I'll work, you know? Um, but I'm, I'm home around more and I'm more consistent and that, that I think plays a bigger role and they know that, you know, dad's got to work late. He's got to work late, you know? Um, but I think it's, it's that when I'm there, I'm present. Right. And that was a trade-off early on. I, I know I kind of prefaced it that, Hey, I'm going to miss certain sa- Saturday soccer game stuff. That didn't last very long, you know. You go to one of those games, you're like, I don't ever want to miss another one, right, you know. Right. Um, so then I would work later on other nights um, or do whatever I needed to do if if it was needed. But, you know, you learn a lot along the way of how you can become more efficient and, you know, hopefully not have to miss a lot of those things, you know. Yeah,
1: and, and it's what you value, right? Like, if yeah. it's, if it's you know, I'm not going to say one, one thing is more important than the other because that's, what, you know, for other people to decide. But, you know, it's like, hey, like, I love going to those games or I love you know, if my daughter is a cheerleader and they play on, you know, Wednesdays and Fridays, I'm going to always Mm. make sure that, you know, Monday and Tuesday or whatever, like the days off that I'm going to grind a little more, maybe wake up a little earlier, do some things to be able to adjust the schedule to make those games. It's like, it's whatever you value. And I I think that a lot of people are kind of looking for this like roadmap of like, what am I supposed to do? What's okay. And it's really like your values and what that relationship is. But it's it's really hard like i have conversations right now with my wife like we want to have kids and like i'm like hey like you know how's this gonna look when the baby's born and i know mm-hmm. like there's obviously maternity leave and like i gotta and really a maternity leave in my eyes is really to help my wife right because she's gonna be all messed up and helping her do things and can't lift and whatever and it's like hey like you know, obviously, you know, baby's born. And then, you know, like a couple of weeks later when you're all healed up and everything is good or semi healed up and everything is good. Like, how does that look like? You know, yeah. and that, like that's where like, we've gotten into some, you know, healthy discussions I'll right, say of right. like, you know, her vision or her, my vision and like how, like, Hey, like I can't like my whole world can't stop in the company because remember I got 170 yep. employees and yep. they got probably a significant other or m- more kids or whatever. Like there's a, you know, maybe five, 600 plus people counting on me to let this ball go forward. But I also want to have a life with you. So I think you've just given me advice. It's like having that conversation and saying, Hey, like this is how it's going to go. But when I'm home, I'm going to be present and I'm going to try to be at everything I possibly can. But it's not realistic for now for, you know, her or someone else to even think like, okay, like life's not going to you know change. Everything's going to be perfect. And, home nine to five and that, cause that does not happen when you own your own business.
0: No, but I think what's interesting is like not one of my kids post delivery, right. When they came into this world and my wife's needing to recover as well as that's when the baby needs mom the most. Right. Um, not one of them was the same. Right. So I, I have three kids and each one, what my wife needed from me and what, you know, the kid or whoever, you know, our daughter or son needed um, and, and the amount of time I needed to be there. Not one of them was the same. And it, it was sometimes, you know, just fortunate. We had, a, you know, a baby on a Thursday or whatever. So I had a long weekends. And right. Monday, you know, my wife's seen me, you know, around the house and was like, you know what, yeah, the baby's going to go to bed and I'm going to wake up and feed her. Like, just, you know, go to work. And, you know, when you get home, you know, if you want to bring some food, then uh, great. You know, it's like, okay, right. hey, I'll do dinner and I'll be back. And, you know, it, it's that open communication. And then by the second kid, it was like, I think I had maybe False expectations. Cause now you've got a kid running around yeah. while she's trying to take care of the newborn. And you know, guess what? She's coming with dad, you know, and uh, take my kids places, right? Take right. them with me and, and do things. But I think having that open communication, like you said, and like just working through it. And I didn't know, you know, right. uh, the day before I became a dad, it wasn't like, you know, you got this hat and it's like, okay, now you know how to be a dad, right? Right. Uh, you just got to figure it out as you go. So how did the support, and, and I guess this is, you know, I, I love my wife to death, but like
1: how was the support there with, with you know, we talked a lot about kids and childhood and seeing mm-hmm. that grind. Mm-hmm. How has it been for your relationship in your marriage to watch that? And I know, Super just to let everybody know, this really has nothing to do with what I originally thought we were going right, to talk right. about, but I think yeah. this is so important because yeah. when you talk about culture and culture camp, a lot of what I believe of how people are is first off, how they've grown up, you know, yeah. you're a... I don't know. My dad used to say this crazy saying, but it, like you've gone through a lot of situations, a lot of circumstances, and you're the byproduct of the circumstances you've been through. 100%. Right? You know, if you're 20 years old or 50 years old, you have 50 years of circumstances and different things that have mm-hmm. happened. And you're mm-hmm. who you are. And so when we talk about culture and who you are as a person, that's where like my passion right. is and the personalities is. I feel like this is the foundation of that. Sure. And then your home life has a massive effect on everything you do, whether it's your friendships at the gym or, you know, whatever, or even your relationships at work or whatever. So I love that we're getting into this. So back to, you know, my question of that relationship with your wife and you, you know, how was that? Because we talked about, you know, you've been in previous marriages, (laughs) or you guys had previous marriages and you talked about, you know, so much admiration and respect and love for your wife. Now, my wife is the greatest
0: person that I know. She yeah, is truly it. the best thing in the entire world ever. I love here. that. Yeah. I love that. You'll never hear me say anything bad about her. Um, That's awesome. She is such a gift. Uh, I'll always appreciate her for who she is. Um, and I'm very fortunate. Um, so interestingly enough, we come from very, very, very different backgrounds. Um, pretty much opposite to some degree, as far as what's a normal, you know, uh day for what a husband does or whatever. Um, right. You know, so, Uh, I will say that I think what helped me a lot was that when we met, I had my own business and I was, I was building my company. And, um, so, so to some degree, the expectations or the foundation was set and, you know, we just began to layer on it right together. Um, she has a nursing background. She continued to be a nurse, um, the first few years we were married. And then when, you know, (laughs) we had our kid and, she had night shifts or different things and I was paying employees more than she was making going and to work. And I wasn't seeing my wife that much. I was like, this does not make sense. Right. Right. Um, granted I, I love and support her desire to want to do that. And she's continued to keep her license active and I don't tell my wife what to do by any means, but at the time it wasn't that logical. Like, what do we, you know, I, I gotta go to work and you want to go to work. Um, and are we going to have somebody else raise our kid? And so it was really a a mutual decision that no, you know, uh, it's best if, if she's able to stay home for now. And, uh, you know, we raise the kid together. So, um, I guess how, how has that support evolved in that, uh, she, she has great parents, um, non entrepreneurs. Um, they love their, what they do for work and, uh, have, you know, kind of had their life of what's normal. Right. So I definitely opened my wife's eyes up to an ulterior, an alternate, you know, reality. Right. Um, And I would not have guessed that I would have married somebody that, that, you know, wasn't raised around it at all. Um, But I think that that's what's unique about my wife is she knew what she wants. She knows what she wants and she's very, you know, um, loving and kind and like the best person I know. Um, But (laughs) That's so cool. She she supports me because she sees what I'm passionately engaged in, and she supports that. She knows I love what I do, um, and she thinks that that's great, um, and it's provided a good lifestyle. Right. Uh, and she she sees the ups and downs too, and it's hard for her when you know I'm taking things home with me, and so that was a balancing act for many years, um, still is. But you know, I think. You get home and you've got your kids and it's like, that just takes over, you know, and and you love that. So I appreciate that. Um, But she supports me um, and I support her. And I think that that's why it works. Um, She's her own person. You know, I don't ever worry about where she is, what she's doing. Um, right. If she doesn't answer the phone, it's probably because she's helping somebody. I mean, right. Anyone that knows her would agree. <laughs>
1: right. So uh, that's so cool. Your, yeah. wife, your wife sounds awesome. That's really she cool, is, man. She's okay. great. Oh, that's it's interesting because I I don't know I, I I'm not gonna say I mean I've been divorced probably over this of just working too much and being so focused on work and not focused on anything else and you know that was probably one of the 500 problems with me back in the day. Um or what my my, my ex wife might say was <laughs> wrong with me <laughs> um but i i don't know i I've, I've been thinking about this a lot because you know there are obviously sacrifices, there are obviously things you have to do, mm-hmm. but at the same time it's like how can i not like how can Jason control my life right yeah, yeah. like how can i not like not let the business run my life and then not let relationships run my life and not let this, like I want Jason to dictate his life and like what means the most to me. So I've been thinking about this a lot because then I went back to a conversation I had with my wife and we, I was going to get a season pass at snow basin, you know, ski resort up here. And she's like, you're not going to go snowboarding that much. You work this and this and that, and you know, you're never going to have time. And I'm like, Oh, you're right. And then like a week later, I was listening to a podcast about time management and I'm like, uh-huh. I only don't have time because I'm not letting myself have time. And it was talking about like you controlling your life and your time, you know, however long you're going to be awake in a day, like you need to control, you know, whether it's minute by minute or 30 minute blocks or hour blocks of what you want to do and the, the values that you have and what importance you have in your life to bring you fulfillment. And the whole thing was about fulfillment, because if you're in this rat race doing things that you're not feeling fulfilled, you'll get burned out and you, you know, it's not good for for you. So I'm like, man, like I love snowboarding. It's a big passion of mine. Right. And In the, in the summer I golf all the time. Like I have oh, golfing yeah. all the time. No, it is different. Now I do come home from work and I've gotten my wife into golfing. So we'll go hit a quick, you know, oh, that's cool. Nine holes at the, yeah. you know, I wouldn't say it's every night, but it's quite frequently right. <laughs> But we'll go, you know, we'll eat dinner on the golf course all the time. We'll grab some sandwiches and we'll go out there and just have dinner on the golf course, which is, it's a awesome. good, it's a good date night. Um, and so it's okay, like, I, but I choose to have that. So mm-hmm. how can I choose to dictate my life around, you know, doing something free? Because in my situation, and I was actually talking with one of my, one of my uh, team, you know, family um, employees today about this, of uh, like my creative mind, right? And like, I want to be in creation mode all the time. And like, That's when right. I'm, when I'm, when I'm out of the dealerships or out of business or out of things, my mind starts to turn more because I'm not Mm. so focused on working on a task. Mm -hmm. I'm more on thinking, how can I make things better? And so I'm like, so I got my team around me. I'm like, would it be better if Jason went snowboarding for a couple of hours a week, which I'm not the guy that's going to go eight hours, trust me. But if I'm not that shape, but is it, would it be better for Jason to go Snowboarding for a couple hours a week in in creation mode with just me in the mountains and some music and having a good time and coming back and help when working and feeling fulfilled. What did they say? And they were like, "I'll go snowboarding."
0: Oh wow! And
1: I'm like, "Well," and like like one of them made a joke and he's like, "Our worst nightmare is when you go on vacation." And I'm like, "Why?" They're like because you come back and with you have seven thousand ideas. Yep. And it's like you know I'm just throwing mud at the wall. That's and how see our what minds sticks. work. Yeah, but it's and then one of the guys explained. You know, when you're consciously thinking about it and you're going to a place for purpose and for work, your mind is so caught up in the details of working. This one of my team members, I mean, they're just they're speaking to me. But when you go somewhere and you're not thinking about work and you go there for just the purposes of enjoyment, your mind starts to get loose a little bit and starts to get in creative mode and you're you're getting these subconscious thoughts of like, oh, what about this or oh what about that? Or, you know, you might see an email and then you might go to the pool. And then you're like thinking about the email and like it's just therapeutic and okay, how can I make this better? What's going on? And I'm like, huh? And so I I had a director's meeting. So I went to St. Lucia for you know 10 days or eight, I don't know how long we went to St. Lucia for a while. Had like a four day span and then I we had a director's meeting on like the Thursday and Friday. That director's meeting was probably the most powerful director's meeting we've ever had because I had so many ideas that I was writing down and journaling at the pool. Right, And they were like, do that again because like that laid a huge foundation for this year and the vision for the year. And I'm like, wow, maybe there's something of like controlling that time management aspect. Like, and especially with kids and like with, with, you know, the expectation, obviously like you have to work extra and you have to put in the time and the grind and it can't be like, Oh, Hey, I'm going to work on something for two hours a day because I'm going to control my time and play video games all day. But it's like waking up (laughs) and dictating that of even like being so demanding or commanding of your time that's like, okay i'm gonna work till eight tonight but it's gonna be doing this like i'm gonna be doing x because there are those people out there that are like oh i work you know this time to this time and i'm never available after this time which i actually give a lot of respect for i wish i could disconnect more i probably don't do that good enough i'm i'm told all the time by my wife i don't do that good enough so i probably obviously don't do that good enough but being able to d- dictate when does she say that you know, usually at night of like, you know, Hey, like Are you're you on your phone. Oh yeah. All okay. night long. Yeah. All, all night long, which I know I got to get better. I actually had, I was with a good buddy, John Madsen. Um, I don't know if you ever heard a guy named John Madsen, yeah. but really good buddy. Um, this last weekend we golfed together and in one sentence kind of changed my view of him cause he is the hardest person to get a hold of. And he literally was like, I'm proud of that. If, if I, he's like, if I can say I've done one thing with my life, very, very good. When I'm home, I'm home and I'm present and I'm so present that no one can get a hold of me. And I'm like, huh, because me, I let everybody else
0: run my life. And I don't
1: think people do it on purpose, but I know
0: exactly what you're talking about. And and so we were doing a podcast, Dave, uh, heavy checklist. Um, And we he was talking about, you know, putting your phone on, do not disturb. And, um, you know, during certain hours, like you get home, your phone's on, do not disturb and all this. And I was like, I was floored. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, how do you do that? Right. Yeah. Oh, I totally do it now.
1: Really? Oh, yeah. See, there yeah. are so many people now thinking about this with you right now. There are about a half a dozen people or more that I text on a constant basis. And throughout the day, their phone will go on Do Not Disturb. And then pretty much at the evening, the whole night's on Do Not Disturb. My and, evenings are. And there's select people that can get through to me. Really? Um, Which I love. The So the new update, you can do like personal time, work time. Yeah. And there's a couple different versions of Do yeah. Not Disturb. I think I got to get better. And I think this is so important for entrepreneurs to hear. You only need to do it if you want to do it. Oh, I, I want to do it because I like my goal and my vision or my, my aspirations is to have the best relationship with my wife as possible and my family.
0: And like, I feel I like I can't begin to tell you how much it's flip flopped. Like really? my phone rang all the time. I was always available. I was always doing deals, running my businesses, you know, doing all this stuff at night. And now I walk in, man, I'll leave my phone in the bedroom or, you know, on the, on the counter or whatever. And I won't see it again for two hours, three hours, whatever. And you know, my wife's on her phone and it's flip flop now. And it's hilarious, but it came with this cost of, I had to do a a version of what you're talking about. I got super compressed at work and I realized the difference, what happened. I was focused on, you're going to laugh, but like I was trying to fix problems, mm-hmm. right? All the while, my creative state isn't, it doesn't come about when I'm focused on fixing the problem. I know, right. that, I know that's different than what we originally started talking about on the podcast about like fixing a four-wheeler, right? right. Um, when I, I, my creative space comes when I'm disconnected, I'm thinking of solutions. And as I say that, I'm sure you're thinking like, what do you mean F- fixing problems or focusing on solutions? Why are they different? Right. Solutions is in, you know, ways to look at different deals, ways to manage things or more like a free flowing uh, solution oriented mind session. But I got compressed and I realized like, OK, I, I don't know how I but I made 10 years of not falling into that that habit. And uh, I realized that it was certain people that, you know, I was around at work that are problem focused And so I had to distance myself from that and I had to develop these new relations, these new habits. And it was a trip for me. I actually, you know, I had lost a sibling and uh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. And you know, and another sibling actually uh, within a short period, it was really difficult. Um, But I had close friends challenged me to do an Ironman and I love pumping iron. In fact, I've had some of my best ideas while I was working out because I like to work out alone. And it's just kind of this Kenny space, right? place right. where I'm able to go and just, just be and let things kind of flow to me. But I'm there with a purpose. Well, doing this Ironman, I was so out of my element. Um, I've never done any endurance. I've never done a half marathon, a sprint marathon or triathlon. I've never done swimming events or biking events. And that is like a shocker for, I think, a lot of people. Usually people will do you know, work up to doing an Ironman, right? I end up doing this and getting a coach. And I had specific times throughout my day that I had to complete these workouts. And it wasn't, it was really weird. A lot of it wasn't, you know, like I got to go to the gym and I, you know, I'm going to pump iron, I'm going to try this new workout. And so I'm thinking about it all. There were times that I was swimming for like an hour and a half or two hours, you know, no headphones, There are times you're biking for three hours on a trainer, uh, indoors. And there are times that you're running on a treadmill or outside. And I learned that during those times, my mind could go to places, uh, because I couldn't be working you're breathing too hard or you're underwater. And it, it actually was really cool. It gave me back some of that creative space and aspects that I believe helped me stay balanced. So if you ask my staff, you know, my team members, they would say that me doing an Ironman was great, even though it took a lot of time away from my work. I was highly productive when I was working, and I was in a different mindset. I would take the time to meet with the people and go through solution-oriented, you know, uh, productions or you know, uh, different problems. But it changed the way I I see things, and as well as from you know having that do not disturb time, and it made me be present. You know, you had to be present doing a lot of these things. Um, Right. I'm really happy about it. Uh, but I'm doing another Ironman. I uh, awesome. did not think I would. Uh, That's awesome. <laughs> I'm excited about it. But yeah, it's very time intensive.
1: Well, oh, I can't even imagine, dude. I, can't e- I couldn't even imagine. S- when you said swimming for an hour, dude, I couldn't swim for 10 minutes, five minutes. I can't swim hardly. I sink. Like I could yeah. take the biggest breath and right to the bottom. I don't know what's wrong with me, but. Well, you're a big guy. You're fit. I mean, you, you train a lot, right? I mean, you would think so. I'm definitely a uh, look better on the outside than I am on the inside type of person. Um, I'm out of shape. I so my my mission for 2023 um, has been to just you know be a one be a better husband, to be a better father, and then three be just a better overall person, health wise. Um, you know, I've I've done a lot of things unhealthy. I've always been in bodybuilding. I've always been into you know this and that and the other, and now I did, I'm trying to get leaner. I'm down like I'm down ten pounds, um, which is awesome Congrats. in the last like two, um, two months actually. Um, You know my I had a kind of a little bit of a wake up call. Um, you know last well I've been in the in and out of the hospital. Um, you know way a while back, and then last year I thought I was getting better, and I had a a doctor tell me like, dude, I don't even know how you're still alive. Like your cholesterol's three seventy. Your you know blood pressure is this and you know where you're in kidney you know stage four kidney failure you're in liver failure and heart failure like everything is like you only have so many months and i was like wait months what are you smoking like you're insane and they're like well like you're about to have a heart attack and your kidneys are failing and your livers are failing and all these things are going on so i'm like hey how can i get healthier and so I didn't really even really pay attention to it. I did a couple of things and just kind of half assed it, honestly, because I I get in my mind of like, okay, now I I have to look a certain way. So I'm going to try to, you know, almost kill myself to look a certain way because that's my vision of myself as I have to look a certain way. That's my reputation, all these things. And so honestly, wasn't until just a couple of months ago where, you know, I actually had, you know, a guest on this podcast and we started getting into the deep emotional like thoughts of why I thought that I had to look a certain way or this and that and the other. And a lot, you know, a lot of what happened was kind of off air and I got emotional about different things. And like, I really just want to be here for my daughter. And so I've, I've made it where I just want to be more fit. I want to be athletic. I want to stretch. I want to be flexible. like I want to be an athlete again. I, I remember like playing basketball growing up and baseball and like, I love golf and, you know, not being able to twist certain ways and like sucking at golf because now i'm freaking huge you know i was i was like 235 trying to golf that does not make any sense to me so trying to get a little bit skinnier but still like in my eyes look good right. and so you can be healthier and eat healthier and like meal prep more and just and, and not like my mind has always been you have to either you're on season or off season with bodybuilding like It's Mm. you're eating all you could possibly can and training super hard to gain muscle. And then all of a sudden you're, you're in season trying to prep for a competition
0: cutting. And did you now it's a
1: lifestyle? Yeah, I did. And that's what put me in the hospital and created all kinds of problems with my last competition. Wow. And so it's been hard to get over this mindset of body dysmorphia. I totally have it. And I'm not afraid to say I totally have it. I look at myself like this fat slob when I have like muscle and people, people like, man, you look amazing. No, I don't like, and so I totally have it. And you know, I, I I was, you know, Phil Heath, um, one of the greatest of all time, and just such a, such a cool dude, has been talking a lot about it recently because his body has completely changed since he stopped competing. And he put this reel on the other day that had me super emotional about body dysmorphia, and I'm like, like I've always kind of thought it, and then I'm like, yeah, I totally do have it, and to the point that I'm willing to almost die over it. I got doctors screaming at me saying, you need transplants, and you this is wrong, and that's wrong, and, you need to stop, and like all these things, and then I'm like, no, 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 I got to look good, I got to look good, I got to look good, take everything I possibly can to look good, every fat burner on the market, every this, every that, Like eat 500 calories a day, which is stupid, but I know I can drop weight like that. And so it's been this huge mental thing of just creating a lifestyle like this, and just be better, because I feel like ever since I've been doing this in the last like 90 days, 60 days, of uh, I've been a better... Husband. I've been a better father. I've been a better CEO. I've been a better brother. I've been a better friend. I've been a better everything
0: all around because I feel so much better. and My energy is higher. It's amazing how you can amplify one aspect of your life and the ripple effect that it should have on the other aspects. Um, You see people take it to the extreme where their world falls apart when they get too hyper-focused on one area. But when you're talking about overall betterment and health, I mean, I wasn't too far off. Uh, I mean- I wouldn't say maybe to that extreme, but I was big into bodybuilding. I loved pumping iron. Right. Um, You know, and for me to lose muscle mass to do this Ironman. Oh, everybody would say to me like, Hey, you know, what do you, what are you most concerned about the swim or the run or the bike? You know, people would ask me these questions all the time. And I'd say, I'm watching the muscle that I spent 20 years building just literally fall off of me. Right. Um, Wildly. My quads got bigger uh from all the biking my arms got smaller my chest got a little smaller swimming actually's been awesome for my shoulders really? and flexibility and overall i feel a lot healthier i mean i think long term doing ironmans back to back things like that like i'm not doing it to an extreme but i know that you know if you were to continue doing ironmans on and on like that's way hard on your body right it's like, not a great idea for me and i have you know after my sibling's passed i went and got checked out ct you know everything and I have what's called a bicuspid heart valve. You typically have a like three, they call them leaflets. You Mm -hmm. have like a tri and I just have a bi. So it's more like an eyelid, right? Right. And so your body's trying to pump that oxygenated blood out uh, through your heart. Sorry if for some reason I butchered that, but my understanding uh, it's trying to pump that blood out. And what can happen is you can get an enlarged enlarged, uh, heart valve and can lead to some serious stuff. And so, I've had to keep mine in check and, and make sure that I'm, you know, very, 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 you know, careful. Um, but I feel so much healthier compared to my bodybuilding body. Um, I have more energy now and I love, it. I love how I feel. Um, I hated running. It was really? laughable how bad, like the end of the Ironman was my first marathon I ever finished. Really? Yeah. Uh, wow. And, and there's not, I don't think that's very normal. Um, but I loved it, man. Uh, and you know, maybe it is an iron man for you. Maybe it is. I don't know. But when you, when you look at, you know, swimming or you look at these things at low impact, um, you're in a, a you're in, a, uh, uh, oh, what is it? You know, uh, you're burning fat, um, instead of muscle, you're not in a catabolic state. You're in a, uh, Oh, what is it? Aerobic and, you know, doing things where you're in aerobic, not an anaerobic. um, It's better for my heart. You know, like my overall heart rate when I first started, uh, my average heart. Yeah. My average heart rate just sitting throughout the day has gone down like 15. Uh, My heart rate had climbed up. I I had, I don't know, a little bit high cholesterol um, when I first started training. And now my resting heart rate is down wow and my cholesterol levels have have flattened out and i've adjusted my diet but i've always ate pretty healthy anyone that knows me knows that like i don't i don't eat you know junk food really right. uh and i feel great and and i i think i'm adding years to my life you right. know versus you know what i was doing before but more importantly it's how i it's how i am like i go home and i'm present and i think cuz i got a lot of my energy out you right.
1: know right no that's awesome and it's you know, and that right now my mission is to add the years because I'm being told I've taken a lot of years away. You know, I don't I don't know what, what that even means right now. I mean, I I and the frustrating part with me is I get told every single doctor tells me something different. And I met with so many different kidney specialists and liver specialists and heart specialists and you ever gone person, to homeopathic? I mean, I've I've kind of gone to everything. I do have a, a a buddy of mine that um that that says he can, you know, possibly help me. But my problem is is that, like i fix one thing another thing pops up and that fix another thing that that pops up so it's just been a really hard it's been a rough five years i mean it's been five years since it'll be in the middle of sometime in march is when the competition was and that was my last one and it's been five years of hell i mean i live every single day in hell i mean i it's 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 rough but
0: physical pain no
1: physical pain you know mental pain not knowing um you know, I start to get really bad pitting edema. I, I gain 20, 30 pounds sometimes in a week, and then all of a sudden, I'll go away. And like my kidneys stop work. I mean, that's kind of kidney and heart failure. And so, like, I know the signs now. I know when to go to the emergency room. I know when to not to. Um, kind of. I mean, of what I'm being told by some people. So it's just been, it's been hard. And my
0: hats off to you. I mean, I have even more admiration for you as a person. I mean, you're you're living your life to the fullest, helping people out. I'm um, trying to prolong your life and, in in a very positive and, you know, influential way. And I think I have a lot of respect for that. You know, you're using your time wisely and you probably have plenty more years left, man. You probably got 30, 40, 50 plus years, I I,
1: I pray, but really it means a lot. I've never, never really opened. I think this is, this is probably the first time I've really openly talked about of how bad things are. Um, but phys- this physically is and a, and phys- it's physically, physically mentally. And it, it's totally affected me mentally, man. Cause like, even this last time I came back from St. Lucia, like my, my body will always super swell when I fly and you know, usually only lasts like 24 hours, but Wait, I'll, I'll, why, um, you know, I, I know that a lot of people do swell when you, when you fly and I don't really know why I used to not, but ever since I got, you know, this situation with my kidneys is I always swell. So it's to the point that I can't have my shoes on. So like I'll take my shoes off and cause I get so tight. Like I just got brand new Yeezys. It was the worst time I could have ever got Yeezys. I, um you know mutual friend of ours ryan gave them to me and i'm all like, oh, super excited to wear them. posted about them on instagram and there's no give to them so yeah. i had to rip them off my feet and my feet were just swelling i mean my my lululemon joggers look like they're painted on and then when i get to st lucia it usually will come down it didn't really go down and then i fly home and it, you know they're long flights and then for the for about four days it didn't go down and i'm like telling my wife i'm like it's not going down it's not going down i'm like i've always been told like 24 to 48 hours if it doesn't go down you go straight to the emergency room because of my condition now someone's probably out there saying whatever i just know what i've been told right? right i've been told by a few people of like you know 24 to 48 hours get off your feet elevate your feet whatever and if it doesn't go down go right to the emergency room because something's off and so like this was it was a really tough week now no one knew and I kept trying to push through cause I had my director's meetings and all these things going on. And like, I'm looking at it. I'm like, I can't put certain shoes on cause I'm still swelling. My pants are real tight because I was Lululemon pants, you know, the little commission pants that look tight. And I'm like, mentally, I'm like, this could be my last, like, I don't know what's going on, but I have to keep pushing through it. My arms, will, my fingers will start to go a little bit numb sometimes when things are going on. And so I'm like, when you
0: snowboarded, did this, did your feet ever get numb or tingly Mm-mm. never from snowboarding uh-uh. just from flying. I I had similar experiences to a smaller scale, not, not the same, but like when I fly, my, my feet swell and uh, uncomfortable, but I would have one foot specifically. Like when I was playing basketball, I'd have to lay on my back and, you know, put, lift my feet up in the air. But since I've been doing this training, I don't know if it's blood flow. I don't know what it is, but that's gone away from me. Really? Um, that and ice baths and breathing, I think, but Yeah. See, I've heard so many good things about like this sauna, ice bath and breath work thing. You're not ice bathing and
1: you have this kind of inflammation. Oh my gosh, dude. No. And I like I I got people all over my Instagram ice bathing like crazy. And I got like I went to the chiropractor today and he was like touching my back and he was like, your back is so inflamed. I can't even feel your bones like I can't feel anything in there. And wow. he's like, I can totally tell your kidneys are this because your back is bulging where they're at because yep. it's inflamed. So yep. I know there's a lot of things that I can do, especially with diet. And, but then you get in the situation of like, I can't be prescribed anything because I'm in liver failure. So I can't take any, anything for inflammation because I'm in liver failure. So it's definitely got to be more on the homeopathic, which you're right. Like I definitely think one of that big thing is, is ice baths. So I think that's one thing I got to do. And even mentally, like I've done it a couple times at you know keaton's house where we've done the sauna and the ice bath
0: thing and it's like a crazy and you know
1: rush there's no way head, i but. could
0: have done the iron man without it really like I, yeah the training and everything is so intense and you know i'll get done with some long run after a bike and this is day after day after day after training right. um and i'd be so banged up i think oh tomorrow it was a friday how am i going to do a four or five hour bike ride on this trainer and they're hard um right sure people are laughing but uh i had ice bath and it was like miracles man really um yeah i swear by it so yeah, i gotta
1: i gotta definitely try it well kenny thank you Dude, this has been a great great podcast and you've like i want to tell you like you've done over a billion dollars in transactions years ago i mean it's obviously a ton more now yeah you've done so much in real estate you got a lot of commercial a yeah. lot of residential got so many things going on but i love that this we, we went down this path of you know who you are how you've been been able to to do things, and really like you know the the billion in in, in sales is awesome, but I think that's a byproduct of everything. Your life is based upon your trend, the you know the foundations you've set, which I love that that's what we got into because you know we can talk about how you've done deals and structured this or structured that or whatever, but you know finding that mentor, laying down the 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 foundation, and really who you are as a person, I think is so important for people to understand. So thanks you, there thank you so much for. For sharing this thanks
0: for having that, me on man i really no,
1: enjoyed it no problem last thing i want to ask you i ask every guest this okay is what does success mean to you how do you define success freedom
0: freedom what does freedom mean to you it means that you have choice which we all have right but choice for me in context of freedom is like I want to go take my son out of school and take him to lunch I want to go to Hawaii tomorrow I can go to Hawaii tomorrow I want to go and serve some people um, give back, uh, you know, be a part of different, you know, when, uh, Houston got flooded, we went down and remodeled some homes and wow, I don't say that, I don't say that to, you know, brag about it, but just, that's a, a version of freedom, but, uh, being there for people in a way that, uh, without maybe some of the financial benefits, you know, you couldn't be there. Right. Um, you know, it doesn't, doesn't mean that everything has to be financial, uh, but absolutely helps that you can help other people in that way too. Um, but freedom in the sense too, when you build a business that you believe in and you plan on it sticking around, and you know real estate assets they can can last forever, right? Um, being able to share in that with with your team, your employees, and your family, you know, you leave behind something. So, right? Freedom to me sums up a lot of things. Um, but being able to be creative requires freedom. I love that, man. That That's so
1: powerful. Kenny, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been so much fun. I've had a blast. Likewise. You. Appreciate thank
0: you. you.